You're listening to the Practically Pastoring Podcast, where we want to help pastors and church leaders share ideas, become better shepherds and leaders, and have a good time with friends. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Practically Pastoring Podcast. My name is Frank, and I am here with my friends up in Baltimore, Maryland. We got Jeffrey Simpson. Hello, Han. Down in... uh, Oh, he's not here. There's no one in South Carolina right now. But down in Florida together in the morning after Mystery Studios, still eating their lunch, we got Andrew Larson. Hey, hey. And Timothy Miller. Hello, world. Frankie, you uh, you froze there for a minute, so we uh, we were talking and laughing. And that's going to be on the recording oh, I heard now. So, okay, okay. I middle heard you of the guys. song. I'm so sorry, everybody. But you looked oh. frozen with a funny facial expression for about 45 seconds. Well... That's your Wi-Fi, not mine. Hey, I could am be a gl- stroke. Could be Wi-Fi. <laughs> I'm glad you guys are here. Um, out, out the gate, uh, I'm really excited that uh, we get to join you guys on your lunch. Um, it feels very personable, and and I don't know. It just feels great to be with you guys. Thanks, guys. Oh, My yeah, mouth's yeah, you, yeah, yeah. You too. You too. <laughs> um, are you are you guys going to be okay the next two days with the hurricane, or are you just going to treat it like? True folks from Tampa and just pr- totally assume that nothing's going to happen. Well, Hashtag they party. Just, they just canceled Pinellas, Pasco, and Hillsborough counties, which is our tri county area. Can't wait. Which means we get to cancel all church activities for the next two days. So, boom. I might actually see my family Staycation. in the middle of the week. Wow. Wow. Well, um, uh, Dell couldn't be here. He may pop in. We don't know. He might just show up. Um, but we'll, we'll see what happens there. Uh, I was uh, I saw that there's a meme, um, or someone asked a question in the Facebook group. <laughs> you said that like such a boomer, man. There was one of those meme. There was a post in the Facebook group about whether or not there's any rumors of PPCon, which I've said from the beginning. When referring to this event, we do not call it PeepyCon. Did you not see the greatest comment there has been, which I posted about that? The whisper meme? Yeah, the, the whisper meme. Like That's perfect, man. It is perfect. Um, so we'll just say this right now. There are whispers. Nothing has been uh, confirmed or put on um, in the public, but there are whispers. So be be possibly on the lookout for that. There are whispers it's, in the night. It's a good, good conference. Yep, mm-hmm. exactly. So hey, stuff. let's let's dive. In. You know, we we've been trying to be so efficient with this podcast, having every episode be like thirty minutes. We're trying to record episodes in batches to make sure that everything comes out on time and we don't miss a week. And so somehow, because of that, also we've been really really good answering your questions um, that you post in the Facebook group. Which, by the and way, we have full time jobs, so we've been that's busy. true. And it's hurricanes, hundred degree weather, things are happening. Bees in our outfield. Like, it's just, it, it, we can't help what's happening wow. you know, where, where we are. So, with that being said, uh, we miss some of the current events that are happening for pastors. And so, I have to talk about, uh, uh, we're going to catch up in this episode of two big current events that happened in the pastoral world. Ironically, both of them involved the Southern Baptist. And ironically, Dell's not here to defend us. So, um, we're going to start with. They're indefensible to, anyway, so. <laughs> indefensible. <laughs> um, we're going to start off with this uh, article from ChristianLeaders.com. J.D. Greer getting super pissed at his t- congregation. He's Greatest thumbnail picture ever. He just did. He just Are did. we going to have to call this an explicit episode now? <laughs> is, is pissed a bad word? Is that like a cuss word? Well, it's, that's it's, two. It's, 
It is in the King James Bible. <laughs> yeah. As a like yeah. nine year old, I was like, Mom, I'm allowed to say it. It's in the Bible. He that pisseth on the wall, <laughs> it's in there. Yep. Yeah. So, well, JD Greer may say that word, but he super went super, he went super <laughs> upset at his congregation. For he was say- provoked in his spirit. That's what Matt Chandler would say. <laughs> um, he he was talking about how um, he was upset about how people come late to church or leave early from church services, and he claims that it's not about him or anything else, but that like. That kind of attitude towards church is what makes church more of a show or churches get accused of it being a production. And, um, and and somehow he was tying it to like how it makes guests at his church feel bad or something like that. Anyways, he came in really, really hot. Uh, it, it kind of harkens to the Mark Driscoll's of the, you know, what's wrong with you? Get out of your basement. Stop playing video games type of yelling from the pulpit. It made the rounds to the point where – People were like, he's not wrong, to people were like, okay, calm down, to the point where he made an apology, and he, like, softened his tone. So I want to hear from you guys. I think all of us have seen the clip. Coward. Can I process it? What are you guys' thoughts of the J.D. Greer uh, situation that happened, like, a month ago but at this point? What are your thoughts? Nothing that hasn't been said on Twitter a lot. I'm sorry, X. Back when this happened, it was still called Twitter. <laughs> yeah. But when I first saw it, I was kind of like, yeah, yeah. You know what? He's he's kind of he's kind of got a point. And then I watched it again. I'm like, uh, maybe this isn't a great look. Like the the shouting on stage, and then Andrew's like, well, yeah. There's there's like forty thousand dollars worth of gear around he's, him. I'm like, oh, dang it, you're. It's right, not Andrew. a yeah. show, as I have <laughs> haze. I saw it and was like, hey. And- and they don't have your skin LED tone wall. lit perfectly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's not a show. We have a production director on staff, but it's not a show. <laughs> but what we're seeing, like, is there has there been a subtle return to shock jock preaching? I think we're starting to I, see you know a what? little I bit of a rise is- again. Oh, subtle? Yeah, I, subtle. I, okay, bro. Not so subtle? I, not so subtle? I said, I've sent you guys two things on our Instagram like group chat, yeah. one from it. Driscoll using Mickey Mouse as woke like uh, as a as a video thing, and then uh, what's his name, uh, Andrew's Edwin old boss, B- Edwin B- Edwin Barry Young, <laughs> Ed Young, yep, yeah, Ed Young. I mean, basically just like going all in on. Like, I don't think it's not that like Shock Jock is suddenly coming back. I think, I think, man, I think there's a desire to be that like prophetic voice as a pastor, and there is probably something in our culture that kind of like stifles that or wants to shun that. But I feel like sometimes, in the attempt of being that prophetic voice, we say dumb things, or some pastors have said dumb things. So I mean, I'm like you, Tim. When I first saw this, I was like, "Hey, like I'm kind of with you." And then I thought about it some more. I'm like, "Wait a minute, this is coming off backwards." Like, there's if, probably if a, you, better to, there's a better way. There's a better way to say somebody it. shoulder to shoulder, or you put your arm around someone who's always showing up 20 minutes late. And you're like, hey, man, listen. Here's how, you know, if you're having that conversation with somebody, but calling people out from the stage, you know, when you leave from your, and I don't know what J, how J.D. Greer preaches, but when you go from your green room to the stage back to the green room, and you're calling people out for trying to show up to church when they've got a van full of kids or whatever else they have to be doing, come on. That's, I think you can't, that's silly. You, you can't attempt to correct an individual sin with a corporate 
uh, discipline message. Like, I think that's the thing that, that I really got frustrated about. You can't stand on a stage and make these. And it's the same thing with if, like, if you, if you, if, if all you do is talk about other pastors in your sermon, it's like, what, what do you, what are we doing here? You know what I mean? Like the irony of that clip you sent us of Ed Young, where he's like talking about how other pastors don't preach the gospel while the whole clip he never talked I'm about the gospel. I'm not going to mention a single person. Yeah. I'm going to mention like a hypothetical just, caricature. I'm also not going to mention that Jesus. I, that I'm developing <laughs> to show how right I am. But he did have a good double breasted suit on. I will give he, him that. So, true say, story, what, uh, say what Frank, you will about Ed. He's always well dressed. 100% always well -dressed. style points. So, <laughs> when I was on staff at Fellowship, um, my friend Frank, did you ever know Michael Wallace? You knew Michael Wallace, the DYM yep. group. Um, but he was also like six foot three, six foot five, and Ed, Ed had built into his budget in the church, like, hey, this is going to be on E. You know, they used to show uh, Fellowship on E News on like midnights on Sunday, so uh, he would have to cha he would change outfits between services, which I think would make editing harder. But for whatever reason, so he had a new wardrobe every six months, and the only other person on staff was Michael Wallace. Uh, that was that tall on staff was Michael Wallace. So Michael had first dibs on all his hand-me-downs. Wow. And Michael <laughs> looked awesome. fly about six months late to Nordstrom, but he looked good all the time. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, I, I thought it was a swing and a miss, that, the clip at least. I didn't watch the whole sermon. But I thought the clip of J.D. Greer like berating the whole congregation well, my, in my that favorite ironic thing is the, format was just a swing and a miss. My favorite thing is a this is an out-of-context moment from a sermon of our church service. Like, yeah, it's out-of-context because you're the one that clipped it and posted it. Yeah, like your like team if, if posted you, that. You are No, he posted it on his personal yeah. account. Oh, too, yeah, which, you're right. Let's, let's, let's be real. Post. Who knows if he owns – if he's the one that posts on his own account. But – when your defense is this is an out-of-context single moment from a 35-minute sermon, and you can't really critique it until you know the whole sermon, dude, you clipped it and posted it. You, you See, my thing is like you, I don't, I don't you know You edited that. it so that the words would pop up. You went out of your way and edited it and thought, yeah, man, I look cool. Right. Like I don't, know, I don't know where the hearts are when these words are coming out, but are you saying it because you know your audience and they're about to give you like a standing ovation for saying this? Or is well, there like a I genuine that, pastoral tone? Or you're, you're doing it for the claps. You're like, I know people are going to love this. Like, I could yeah. say a lot of political things at Lakeview that people would absolutely love because you I know. You know exactly which things those are. you know those upper middle class white people that go to your church. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. man. They've pledged yeah, I, allegiance I, to the Lamb with all their not, strength, with all they am. That was a, you're a not like, song. Oh, I know. You're not cutting edge and prophetic. By like, I, I don't understand that the, there's this desire to have like gotcha stuff, you yeah. know, in the political world on the conservative side, it's it's this desire to own the libs like you see that all the time and it goes the other way, too. But like now it's in the pulpit with like we're owning uh, straw men, woke pastors and like but, and, and we're owning people who leave our service early. Yeah. Our, I mean, the irony of saying it's not that I'm mad that you're missing part of the service. It's 100 percent exactly what you're mad about. Like that's all you're talking about, is that you treat it's that you treat church like it's a religious show instead of a welcoming family that you're a part of. Well, I mean, I hate to tell you, but welcoming families don't tend to have angry fathers who stand up and scream at everybody. That's just not the way it works. So, I just I thought it was a pastoral swing and a miss, and and all of us have pastoral swing and misses. I mean, right? Yep. Don't get me wrong, but I just 
Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't share mine with like, 40,000 people on the internet. Right, right. I mean, I, I don't... I go to someone just, and apologize for it. Hey, I shouldn't have said that. That was stupid. I was trying to be funny. As opposed well, to, it, hey, I trimmed this out of the sermon and posted it for the world to share, or for the world to see. And now I'm apologizing. I also it, think it shows, like, it shows a a flawed view, like a flawed paradigm that you're looking at church through. Um, you know, it, it's this idea that, like, the, 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 the moment of the public gathering is the most important thing. And yes, it is, and I... I totally agree with that, but it's not the only part of church life. And so if the whole thing, it's, you know, I think one of us said it's almost like the whole thing's built on a personality and on a, in, on this event. And, you know, if that's the case, then, you know, you have to say some of that lands on you as the senior pastor. Like you're creating the environment where people view the public service as this optional thing that they can come to late, leave early. It's just kind of on the smorgasbord of spiritual stuff going on in their life. So then, but then you can't get up and and like blast them for doing the exact thing you're kind of setting them up to do. So if, if it's not late attenders or early leavers that's making this a whole show, what does make church a production? What does make church a show? When you have the clicks in your ear, pre-chorus, <laughs> pre-chorus. Oh, just because you can't Tim, afford bridge. Ableton doesn't mean that, like... Tim, I can't wait for that to accidentally bleed through the live stream on your live stream it's one gonna day. It's going to happen. It has gonna to, happen. right? Like, it yeah, just, it it just has, has to happen to. somewhere. I mean, I have it in my sermon now, you know? Intro. Nice. <laughs> Main point. <laughs> Key scripture. I'm like, oh, yeah. Pause for reflection. <laughs> Application. Pause for reflection. <laughs> Tear. Can we create a track and Pose use it? Lips. That would be amazing. There is, a, there is an app for... Um, like uh, organ hits during your sermon. There is an app for that, what? which is pretty no. awesome. Yeah, yeah, dude. I've seen that. Yeah. Yep. It's a real thing. But but if you got to hit it yourself, does that count? It's so, like I get if your organist like wants to sit well, with her husband, and you know, but she still wants to have the effect of of the the organ hit. But I've the ones that I've seen or like for the, for the ad, it was a. Are you sad that you don't have an organist to play behind you while you're preaching now? Yeah. You can, and so the pastor makes a good point. He's like, <laughs> and he hits the button himself. That's not. Man. You got to have somebody else think that your point was worthy of an organ hit for it to really count. You're, Wait, so you're like, clap for me, clap. That's worthy of a clap. You know. Okay, back to the actual conversation. What makes somebody have a consumerist mindset? I or what's the signs of it? I think when people view church as something that is a one-way street of a service that they, you know, that it, it renders services to them and their family, then I think you're operating in a consumerist mindset. And it's really, really hard for us to, to like, see it because it's the water that we're swimming in and we're, you know, fish don't know that water's wet. So it's like all of us grew up in the church world and youth group. And, in, I mean, think about entire children's ministry, youth ministry. It's all based on serving those kids and those youth, which I, I'm I wanna do, but at the same time it's like then how do we turn around and go, well this isn't a consumerist thing. You don't come to church to consume, you come to church to be part of a family. I think it's difficult. I think there's ways you can fight against it even in you know, it's like you, you, there's this difficult thing where you're operating in an old paradigm, trying to bring people into a new paradigm, but you have to use the platforms and systems of the old paradigm before you can get to the new paradigm, and that's that's the tension and that's the trick. 
So, I, I mean, to me, I would say the biggest, the biggest sign it, that somebody is viewing it as a consumeristic thing is not necessarily that they come late and leave early. That that might be that might be one of the signs, but it's more that they they're not contributing, and I don't just mean financially. Uh, I think at first it's probably not going to be financially. I think new believers are going to, you know, they don't own the 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 service or even the entire life of the church as their thing. It's like they view it like they view their kid's softball team. I go there, they offer me this, and then I leave. Uh, whereas, you know, I think it's hard, too, as pastors. Like, we live this, breathe this 24-7, and it's hard for us to remember that for a lot, most other people in our congregation, this is like their kid's softball team. It's a thing they come to once a week, and, you know, that's kind of it. And so how do we create atmosphere and environment within that hour that we have them for once a week to sort of break that mold? Does it look like volunteering more? Maybe. Um, I think in my church it looks like I just had a lady come to me with an entire, like, outreach plan that came as a result of her praying specifically for her granddaughter who's going to high school. And, yeah, there's a couple flaws with it, and she admitted they're not quite sure how the logistics of this are going to work. But, like, for her to have an entire idea of how can we reach this whole group of kids in a high school that my granddaughter's a part of, and here's an idea I have, and I've prayed about it. I mean, that to me is like a five-year – that's the fruit of five years of trying to communicate that with people. So I'm super excited about it, and, you know, I love to see that instead of, you know, somebody like that coming and going, hey – um, you need to do put something on for these kids so that they can uh, be served. It's like she's owning the whole thing. So I think that's really cool in our in our context. Yeah, we talk about this a lot in membership class, specifically for those seeking membership at Lakeview Church. It's this idea of, hey, maybe as an attender for the last few weeks or months, you've been in the stands. You maybe even been on the sidelines, but as a member, now it's time to get in the game. So it's like it's a it's a participatory model of church where you yeah. are actively involved. It's not just, hey, I'm on the serve team, but it's it's you're part of the life of the church. You are in a home group. You are serving in-house and out-of-house. So it's it's not just a once a week, I'm at this place sitting in this chair for an hour, but it's it's a part of my life. And that would be the difference between this and, you know, my son's Pop Warner football team, which is a whole nother world. <laughs> the coach is a felon. Look, long story. We don't have time to get into that. The today. coach strangled somebody. He's no longer coaching. And then it was like, team. why can't they let? Why won't they let me coach twelve-year-olds, man? Oh my God, you have a dude. felony arrest record for strangulation. I don't. I don't know if you guys are allowed to talk about this in the podcast, but I'm not. Anyway. It's him. I'm the one that said it. The coach isn't going to beat me up with a baseball bat, but we know the coach oh is violent, and he pays attention to Tim's social media, so he hey. might beat Tim up with a baseball bat. Um, I'm clipping this for the, for the, for Instagram. Um, so <laughs> I, um, and then we can apologize that it was an out of context, uh, 30 seconds. <laughs> of, of an and then the caption podcast. can be, Oh, really choked on that one. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. So, so, so I, um, I, I heard this from, uh, my buddy, our, our buddy, James Saban, who I think heard it from Brian Loritz. He says too many people in our congregation, um, sees church as a cruise ship and not a battleship. On a cruise ship, you'll like look at the stateroom, look at the amenities, look what it offers you. But on a battleship, you're like staying in close quarters because you know you're here for a mission, right? And and that could be a little like you know traditional churchy. But I like I kind of I when I think about this conversation, it's like 
I, I think it was Jeff. You said this is like this. The the message he's trying to to say, it, it, it it's individual sins cannot be brought up in a broad context. Like it's 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 not that it's bad, but it's never going to land how you want it to land. It's always going to be seen as like you're attacking, or it's unloving, or it's just like unnecessarily brutal. It'd where be like, like if he got up and was like, "Those of you guys having affairs and committing adultery, you're the problem." It's just like <laughs> it might be. This is weird. I but, mean, you, they are, but it's weird. But if you to do that in that a, context, if he was having a one-on-one conversation with a member, and and he's like, "Hey, I have a question. Like, why is it that I always see you pop up? You know, right during the the last song of worship? Like, what what's going on there?" And and he's like, "Oh, you know, I just come here for the message. I'm not really here for the music." That's a discipleship opportunity, right? Yeah. That's um, where you it, get angry and say, you're the problem. Yeah, maybe, maybe not now, even listen, say that the problem. To be yeah. fair, I have had those kind of confrontational moments with people in church. I'm not saying there's no room for confrontation. I'm just saying it's pretty tough to do that in a corporate setting for individual different people um, who might all have different, you know, reasons. I, I've, I've had conf- pretty – where my, you know, my heart rate was going up and it was like it was getting a little heated – and you have to rebuke somebody. That happens. But I'm just saying this isn't the context. That's good. Well, like, let's go on to the next topic. Uh, again, staying in the uh, the SBC. Um, what uh, Willie McC- McLaren? I guess he was McLaurin. the McLaurin. He was the interim president for the um, what? They have so many of these groups. The what executive is it committee of the Southern Baptist Church. Thank you, Andrew. Yeah. So he took over when Ronnie Floyd resigned. Okay. Um, in shame, not, I mean, not quite shame, <laughs> resigned emphatically because he did not want the uh, list of accused sexual abusers to be made public. And so rather than be the one to release that list, Ronnie Floyd resigned. And so um, Willie was uh, then stepped in as the interim and had been the interim for about a year and a half. So it wasn't like this is a six-week-old issue. He had been at the helm of the committee that controls all of the Southern Baptist resources when the convention is not in session for, you know, what, four or five days. And in order to become, in order to get any job, you have to probably write a resume. And on that resume, you write your credentials and your experience. And typically, you want to be honest about that because sometimes they'll check you on that. And unfortunately for Willie, he got checked on it. And apparently Willie lied, and none of it came out. A lot of it wasn't true. I I heard that he even had. Maybe his name wasn't even Willie. He could he could probably go and be a New York State representative like George Santos, though, right? I mean, this is very true. I I heard he had diplomas printed. Like there was stuff on hanging on his walls. Like that's (laughs) like. Like, bro, I'm going to go on Canva right now and make me a diploma for Duke or whatever. Look at his Google search history, and it said (laughs) fake diploma template. Oh, man. (laughs) Free. Anyways, um, so my first question to you guys is, have any of you lied to me about your credentials? I feel so naive here because (laughs) I didn't know this was a thing. Like, when when this story came out, I was like, that's that's like something people actually do? Like, is it? Or is this just like a one-off? Or is this like a known thing people lie on their resumes and do so for decades like that's just wild to me the key is not to lie on your resume the key is to write very clearly what you have even if you don't have a lot right like like uh, i i try to help people when they're writing ministry resumes you're like i've only ever been a youth t- youth intern 
All right. So let's talk about all the things you did as a youth intern and write that as clearly as possible. You don't have to lie about what school you went to or, you know, you've, you've ran a conference. You could just talk about the actual things you've done and, and write that. I mean, I don't know. This feels like, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't understand how could this happen is how you can just so egregiously lie. The audacity, about, bro. About, your, I mean, you know, the schools you went to and the, the programs you completed. Apparently, like, in the research they found that, like, he may have started some of these programs but never completed it. He started exactly one of the programs because you can't get into Duke Divinity School without a bachelor's degree. So he started oh. his bachelor's degree and never finished and lied about his master's degree and doctorate. How do you lie about about two graduate degrees? I mean, it's so crazy. Is he married? (laughs) That was my first thought. This thing's been going on for 30 years. His wife is either the biggest idiot on the planet or completely complicit, and there is no middle ground. What in the world? There is no middle ground. This is this is my and, wife would not let me get away with none of this. No way. Even yeah, no even way. his predecessor, <laughs> no who's resigned from the executive committee because he's trying to protect other pastors. That's a thing where he could go home and his wife would have no idea. Hey, you know, you're in this meeting. You know, there's these people accused of things. There's things that happen at our church. That I don't tell my wife because I want to have protect her relationship with the people in the church and whatnot. But this, my my wife, uh, she sees our taxes. She knows what uh, you know. IRS information I get from going to grad school because I got to turn those receipts into the IRS. If she did, if she, like I said, if she knew, she's completely complicit and has been for 30 years of defrauding the church. And if she didn't know, she's the biggest idiot on the planet. So I am, I I don't, I am so heated about this. And I know it's been (laughs) almost two weeks. And maybe it's because, like, I'm six weeks away from finishing my doctorate and I was up till 1 30 in the morning last night. Are you, though? I, I mean, I am. I will be calling the institution to verify. Please, that's for sure. Please do. Please do. Please do. Wait till like the middle of October. Or actually, wait till November because I don't know how quickly they they uh, adjust their uh, records. But this is it was so tactical because he claimed you know so he enrolled originally at a historic black college and university um, there in North Carolina. So not a school that has any Southern Baptist ties. And then he goes to Duke Divinity School, which is a Methodist seminary, but it's really kind of a liberal intellectual elite seminary. It's not uh, – there are some evangelical Methodist seminaries. Duke is not one of them. It's a great school, but not one that you're going to find a lot of SBC people in. And then he claims Hood Divinity School for his doctorate, which is primarily like Lutheran in their theology, but African-American in their student body. So again, very little, if any, Southern Baptist crossover. So he, he didn't just lie. He lied in such a way that he knew that he would never come across anyone that should have been his classmate in the Southern Baptist world. <laughs> he lied in such a way that was like, hey, if you question this, you're almost racist for doing so. If you read all the articles that are written up about this, the most heated people are the black Southern Baptist pastors that are saying, dude, you didn't just fool us. You didn't just fool them, but you've set us back in doing this, which I don't like know. Like this that. was a setup, a big setup. This was, this was a setup. This was defrauding the church. And also, why in the world would you think you can uh, you can ascend to the highest seat in the denomination? Like, you know, aside from the president who is really in charge for like five days, this guy is leading the day-to-day operations of the denomination. Just if you're going to be this kind of a fraud, 
probably more be, important than the president of the SBC yeah. in their structure. It's like in, in the city of Safety Harbor where we are, where Tim and I are right now, we have a mayor who is in charge over city council meeting, and he's in charge of the votes. But the city manager runs the day-to-day operations of the church. The city manager gets paid way more than the mayor does. Kind of like a co-manager situation it, here? Kind of. It's similar mm-hmm. to that. Big picture well, big day-to-day. Big picture versus day-to-day, yeah. yeah. But be happy being the, the uh, conference speaker. Go pastor your church and then get the honorariums to show up and speak at the conferences. But why in the world are you going to think that you can perpetuate this fraud at that high of a level and it's no scary. one's going to find it? And it, it's so much worse because with all the lawsuits the SBC is involved in right now, he was the person under oath in all these uh, depositions for those lawsuits. And so he's calling himself Dr. McLaurin in these depositions. He's talking about his earned doctorate in these. He's talking about his military career, which he I don't know if he was in the military or not. I'm assuming he was. But he talks about how he left the military as a captain. Uh, if you didn't finish your bachelor's degree, no, you did not. And so he wow. is lying under oath. There's a stolen valor situation. Andrew, you've spent a lot of am, time researching this. I'm I'm more impressed with you right I now. I am. It it gets me so heated because I grew up in a household where I, my family sacrificed so that my dad could finish his doctorate. It sure. was a big thing that we did in my family. My kids have not had the vacations, have not had the family time that they should have had the past six months or a year because of the amount of time and energy that's focused on me earning this degree that this dude just went to Kinko's and printed up. <laughs> and to to steal some of Frank's fury, it makes me pisseth. Wow. I mean, I, I do wonder, I'm, 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 it looks like that he's just like a speaker. Like most, you know, like that's his like full-time vocation. Now, but, no, be- he's passed... He's pastored in like five or six churches yeah, as well, crazy. which which makes me wonder if like the churches, I mean I don't know like I, I think I think when churches like call your references, they're not necessarily always calling the school to confirm their degrees that they're getting. I can see I can see churches in, missing in, this in the covenant we do in, in oh, our really? denomination. I had to I had to have my transcripts when I got hired. I had to have my transcripts sent, and part of that was like the ordination process. Yeah, that's right. Um, I but I had to have my I had to have my um. I had to have transcripts. I'm looking for. I had to have all my transcripts sent, mm-hmm. and then when I like enrolled in a new program, because I was like delaying something, they're like, "Oh, cool! Can you like send? You know, have uh, Liberty send us? You know that you are in the program." So oh, that's cool. Another I, point I, for denominations, because when you have a central, I was going to say same, same here. Yeah, when you so, have a central office, you have someone whose job it is to check in on that. So a question that has been brought up is that is this. If he was asked to step down, why wasn't Ed Litton asked to step down when he apparently may have plagiarized J.D. Greer, who was who who may have been plagiarizing Jen Wilkin, who was quoting R.C. Sproul? Like like uh, is that is that just people trying to like you know trying to burn the whole village down when they when they see their bad guy when the guys they don't like is failing or is that is that kind of a similar story of like hey here. Someone's been falsifying something, and they should be punished accordingly. What, what, do do you put them in the same category or no? I think there are two different levels of the of maybe a similar style of deception. Assuming that the plagiarism, which we pretty sure was intentional, um, but we also, I mean, it also came out that Ed talked to JD, and JD right. was like, "Share whatever you want to share." Like, he yeah, didn't my care. bullets in your gun, that whole thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah so but I, if I, you if you've seen the videos that are going around with all this stuff, and for, I think it's ridiculous that these th- two things are even being compared because they're they're yeah. apples and oranges. That doesn't make one 
less wrong than the other, but they're very different things. But he's copying mannerisms and copying. This isn't a, ooh, that's a great point. How can I adapt that? That's not a, hey, I yeah. have a similar story. This isn't that he's copying the exegesis because you know we're all copying exegesis from a commentary somewhere. But this is he was you know copying the mannerisms. That's that's too far. That's too far. Especially yeah. if if you if your full time job is to be the pastor of a of a big church. This is not a I'm a solo pastor and I you know I didn't have time to get my only job this week was to write one thirty minute sermon and I'm going to download yours. Oof! Yikes. So, uh, uh, besides the obvious of like, don't lie on your resume, what should a pastor take from this, uh, situation with William McLaren? Uh, honesty is the best policy. Integrity. <laughs> I, 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 like, like to me, this is like the most elementary basic of basics of being exactly who we're supposed to be. Like, it's just crazy to think that we would have to say this to people that should know that we... Like our character matters like a lot, right? And it just baffles me. The whole thing is really, con- it's really confusing to me. It should also concern us all that somebody with a high school diploma as their highest level of academic a- attainment successfully pulled off convincing the churched world for several years that he had a terminal degree and never once apparently did a. <laughs> Was there any, oh, huh, weird. Um, Charisma matters in ministry, and I think there's lots of pastors that will say, you know, why do I need this degree? Why do I need that degree if God's called me to do this? To which I'd be like, yeah, okay, I see ya. But if someone can fake it and convince everybody, then I think we need to do a better job of understanding what it is that we get from Bible college, what it is that we get from seminary, and we need to do a better job articulating to our people why studying God's Word seriously and academically matters, because eventually the argument to this is going to be, well, why do we need to send our pastors to school if this guy did it just fine? We, we need to be able to point to and identify the differences. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I have anything to add to that. Don't lie. Don't, yeah, I think don't lie and prove that your education was worth it. But it's also okay to like in a sermon to say, "Yeah, this isn't mine." Yeah, like I routinely tell people at Lakeview, I'm just copying a bunch of stuff a bunch of people have already said. Like I am not coming up with all these fresh tweetable ideas. Like this is something people have been saying for a long time. Yeah. That's Warren kind of our... Wearsby said this 40 years before I was born, and it was smart you, then. And even it's if smart you say now. one commentator said. That's, yeah, exactly. that's all it takes. Like, it's okay you to just say have to that. signal this is not because like, people, and I think this is this is the scary part for me is like people are so ready to give you the benefit of the doubt if you're a spiritual leader, and that's and, the right. danger. And maybe that and that's be what happened issue. here. Quit so many of the, the benefit of the doubt sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's if, like it's it's evidence reverend... of. It's evidence of a lack of desire for accountability in both directions. Yeah. We don't want to hold another person accountable, and also we don't want to be held accountable. And so I think churches are, for lack of a better word, they're just too nice. They're too, they're pushovers. And I think people like this know that and take advantage of it. And that's, 
it's just dangerous. It, and, and the thing is, I'm, I want to approach this from it's dangerous for the soul of the person who is perpetrating it. And, like, you don't realize what you're doing to yourself, you know. You are hardening your heart against the fruit of the Spirit by taking advantage of the fact that people are more gracious to you than they probably should be by just not simply checking on things. Andrew is currently on Willie's website right now. And I just want to say that uh, Antonia— that he didn't build it. This is on you. Like, you knew what he was doing. It's not just on you. It's on him. Shame on him, but Bro, also shame wife- on you. Leave his wife alone, dude. I'm looking at her picture right now. Trays out here, dude. I am looking at nothing her picture, wrong. smiling up at the camera on his website, which, by the way, it's not difficult to take a website down. It's been okay. two okay. weeks. Go to your GoDaddy.com account and say, pull this page down. Why is this website still up? Not, now we, you're assuming that Willie uses GoDaddy. That's slander right there. He probably has Squarespace. <laughs> you don't know. All right, listen. Okay. Go to Squarespace and to, say, to Willie's this wife, website needs this is, to come down. This is Andrew's opinion alone. I have no feelings, negative feelings towards you. Um, <laughs> leave, leave his wife alone. <laughs> and let's focus also, on, like, on... You know, he's got those diplomas. He's got kids. He has three kids, I think. They've come oh, into boy. Daddy's office... How many times over the you past You guys decades? are the problem, his kids. And no, he's no. so mad. That's, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not saying that his kids are the problem. I'm saying that they are working hard in school because, well, I guess you know this is what we do. Can you? I'm going to have to anoint Tim him. Tim keeps with anointing this. my head with oil that we I, took I, from I'm his trying to calm him office. down. I'm using the anointing oil right now. It smells really good. And his Bru- steam. There is steam Tim, off his you head. have got to put that on in the shape of a cross or it doesn't work, dude. That's so true. You can't put a circle. Forgive me. Come no, on. There we me. go. Circle, circle, dot, dot. Now I got the... Wow, oil we have offended the entire liturgical church. What are we doing? All right, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's wrap this up. Don't okay. be a liar. Set a good example for your kids. If you know that your spouse is defrauding the church, you should probably stop them. Wow. <laughs> Leave his wife alone. Okay, here's the thing about – here's the one thing I'm thinking about. a pretty nice dress that she's wearing in that it, picture. It, bro, stop talking she about liked, his wife. She liked that 300K coming in from the denomination. Oh, my God. Wait, wait. Do you, do you realize that the person who is so – like, made this oil. This is not working. The, uh, the way that it works in the SBC executive committee is it's kind of like – It's just olive oil. If if the whole it's like if the the president dies and so do like the next three people in line and now you have the secretary of transportation has to be the acting president that's basically what the SBC has for their executive committee now so the guy who is the acting president of the SBC executive committee is like the director of communications for the denomination his wife is a youth pastor at a Baptist church that has left the SBC over women in ministry. <laughs> and so there's a guy who is not actively serving in ministry and who, you know, the 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 right side of the SBC is just big mad now that the guy who's the acting president of this committee that, you know, the last guy resigned in disgrace, then this guy resigned as a liar, and now they have a guy who is not serving a church currently and his wife is a youth pastor at a yeah, church. Yeah, they got a guy that, who's a pastor's that, husband. Th- that most of them consider to be apostate as their president. So SBC, get your stuff together. Don't be so holier than thou, and then let this nonsense happen in your camp. I'm ashamed, of you guys. Wow, we no wonder. No wonder your seminaries are so easy to get into. Stop. Hey, yeah. hey, because, hey, so many easy. So, so many your jobs bullets. are easy to get into. Easy. Stop. Jobs so many. You don't need the seminaries, easy. apparently. No, so many straight bullets here. So many straight bullets. I'm, mad. I'm just trying to get Andrew to keep going. I don't have a dog <laughs> yes. in this fight, but it's kind of fun. Okay, 
uh, 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 Andrew, by the way, the guy sitting next to you graduated from a Southern Baptist Seminary. Uh, and that's you, why he's saying what he's or saying Or did now. he? And you are currently attending a Southern no, Baptist-influenced no, no, no. school. Liberty is, sure. Liberty is a Baptist seminary, but not a Southern Baptist seminary. Okay, okay. All right, well, sure, let's, sure, sure, let's sure. pull the record. Let's, let's check those credentials. Also, uh, you know, hang on. I'll, I'll do you one further. Here's one of the other things that makes it, that makes it so frustrating. I was removed from Dallas Seminary under academic probation. I had like my I had seventy seven hours towards an, uh, towards a sixty some hour degree and got pulled out of the seminary based on academic performance because I was busy serving in ministry. I had a paper that I didn't turn in because I was doing a thirty hour famine with Tim. I know I what it, it is like to struggle through a degree to have to go retake the GRE seven years after your last math class because. Of your poor academic performance. I get struggling academically. When I got accepted into my doctorate program, I was only accepted if I was willing to go in under academic probation to start off the degree plan. So I get that school is hard, and I get that it is a struggle for some people. But if you are willing to work hard and do it, you can do it. Don't fake it. Willie, we had a backing track during that entire monologue. I feel like nice. a slow build. I'm a just, slow build would be nice. I'm just saying. I get it that school is hard for some people. School was hard for me. But Willie was I'll, never I'll, on. Willie was never on academic probation, though. He was never <laughs> on academic probation. That's on his resume. Was that, never was, on academic. Was probation. never on academic probation. <laughs> wow. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I, I was, like someone like Willie, he somehow conduped an entire denomination and however many people to get to where he is now. To me, um, he should like. He he should have like used that like uh, ability to like be creative and just not lie about his schooling and just admit like hey I don't have this education that you probably want but I can do this job like there there, there should have Dude, been this a, is a, what happens when Saul Goodman is the president of SBC that's true <laughs> that's slipping Jimmy man that's so slipping Jimmy all right slipping Jimmy some some of us still where's Chuck be, when you in, need him huh. Some of us still want to be in a good relationship with the SBC, so am I I'm going to wrap this, this up. You might be. <laughs> I am, I'm yeah. wearing a knit tie. What's uh, am I'll I? Keep Howard? the candles away from Howard me, Hamlin? Tim. I love Howard Hamlin. Uh, seriously, his ties all right. are. All right. Well, the lights are about we're to go. Wrap, we're going to wrap this show up so that way Tim can anoint uh, Andrew with more oil. But uh, <laughs> hey, next week, so next Monday, which is Labor Day, we're going to have a, um, uh, a a new episode, but we're also going to have a new podcast. Um, uh, for uh, the Practically Pastoring Network. It's called What is a Campus Pastor? We've talked about it for several weeks now. I want to encourage you to go to whatisacampuspastor.com, subscribe to the feed. Even if you're not a campus pastor, it will be sweet if you could just listen to it for me and, li- and share it with every single campus pastor you know. Because look, I have it right here. This right here is the only book that exists for campus pastors. And I talked to this guy on my podcast, and he got the inspiration Frank, for the this book. This is an audio format. Nobody can see that. You have to actually read the guy's if they're on Spotify, the If they're on Spotify, they can see okay. it. You're right. You're, I'll say it. The book is called Your First Year as a Campus Pastor. And uh, he got the inspiration to write this book from Doug, who wrote the first two years of student ministry. What does the subtitle say? You'll um, know everything in two months. <laughs> <laughs> just, press pra- <laughs> just, just press play. <laughs> oh man, it took us so long to get the zingers in, but there we are. There's only one book 
for for uh, for for campus pastors. And there's no other Here's resources. If you're gonna fake your resume, be a campus pastor. You don't need to study your Bible. You don't need to study. Oh, man. All you need to be is charismatic with a microphone in your that hand. That was the greatest. Why did the greatest ever, stray bullet ever? Man, stay stay true to campus ministry. Be up front. Be on stage. You're good to go. What is a campus pastor starting next week? Dot com. All right. Hey, we we glad that you're here. Like, subscribe, do all the things. Blow up Andrew's Facebook and, and shame his wife apparently because that's okay when we're on podcasts. <laughs> shame Wait, wives apparently. Frank, do you think she knew? What's your what is your gut telling you? Did she know? <laughs> I don't care. Willie's the one in trouble, not his wife. If she um, knew, she, that's she's on her. But his house, she's getting that housing allowance. <laughs> She's benefiting from it. She knew. Frank says it's uh, only sins of commission, not omission. That's all go. that counts. <laughs> this is Friendly Pastor, and we'll see you next week. Bye. <laughs> see ya. I'm Andrew Larson. Thanks for listening. Get connected to other pastors by joining the Practically Pastoring Facebook group, where we get to share ideas and make each other better.